-hmm. And at that time, I got offers both can go either tech companies, big tech companies, mm -hmm. or um, can go to former. So that choice at that time, my thinking process is more, if I go tech, I kind of started new. But if I go farmer, I can utilize all my knowledge I learned on the business side. My PhD, the chemistry knowledge still matters. Yeah. And I don't think I'm going to start from fresh new. So at that time, um, I think I made the conscious decision to decide to just go for farmer. Although, to be honest, we always know the tech industry pays more. But yes. sometimes you just have to think about, it's like, um, does pay matters more to you? Or do you think the type of work matters more? And also think about what kind of work-life balance matters. Welcome to Personal Finance Cat, where I share my personal take on personal finance. Welcome to the show, Vivian. It's been so long. So good to see you. How have you been? Doing good. Good to see you too. It has been a while. Nice to catch up. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for uh, getting on the show. Well, before we start, I just want to read out a brief intro. Thank you for writing that up. It's very impressive. So Vivian is currently the Director of Portfolio and Strategy at AstraZeneca. Prior to AstraZeneca, Vivian was a senior consultant with Deloitte's supply chain and network operations practice, where she successfully advised, implemented, and operated business and digital transformations for life sciences clients. Her other professional accomplishments include eight years of project and product management experience working in a scientific instrument industry for corporations including Shimazu Scientific Instruments, Agilent Technologies, and Booker Daltonics. During her tenure, she managed and supported product development of both custom software and hardware for pharmaceutical and biotech clinical labs and hospitals, forensic labs, chemical and energy, environmental, consumer packaged goods, and university clients. She has supported products and clients in 40 plus states in the United States and four overseas countries, including Spain, Germany, China, and Japan. Maybe I'll just add a little bit. You and I knew each other from graduate school and I knew that you got your PhD in chemistry. We pretty much, I think, overlapped. Maybe you were a year earlier than me. We certainly hung out a lot. I know that you were also very active in all kinds of student organizations and activities. So I still have very fond memories. Of <laughs> with you. <laughs> Do you want to add anything to that intro? No, I think that intro already uh, is pretty comprehensive. And yeah. yes, Handy and I, we go way back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we, I think like I'm a year ahead of you when we yeah. were in graduate school. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I did, or I think back then, I think I really just enjoyed organizing events and uh, do these kind of things, which kind of explains my career path after I graduated and um, how I go from the scientific career path to more business-oriented route. Yeah, no, that's a perfect segue for our first question. Oh, I just wanted to add, you were the president of the Chinese Students Organization at Emory. So your leadership sh shone through from very early on. <laughs> from the you. Uh, okay, so then, you know, perfect segue to the first question, like I said, how are you able to transition from being a scientist 
to a strategy and operations professional? I think that has been uh, the journey since I started to work. I started work as more technical role. And during that time, I had experience encounter different organizations such as sales team, marketing, uh, and R&D. And while working with team, I actually realized that I really enjoyed working with cross-functional teams. Um, I think, however, my technical skills, especially um, hand-on skills, uh, hardware, etc., is probably not as good as my business skills. So I think that's kind of where I started to more take on projects or roles that's more oriented to product management and the project management. And um, I think it, the whole change has been pretty intentional. However, the changes happen slowly. Um, it has been quite the process. And then when I become the full-time um, project manager during uh, my time at Shimazu, I've decided it's time for me to gain more business sense. And I, that's the time I started to apply for business school and I got into Georgetown as the part-time business school student. Um, so with that experience and the later the consulting experience at Deloitte, I managed to land my current job at AstraZeneca as more like the operational business type of role. I think um, in current role, I kind of can utilize all the skills I learned before. So I would say it's it's a pretty long journey, but uh, I've, I wouldn't say I carefully planned everything. A lot of things just happened, but I'm also intentionally just look for opportunities both internally and externally to be able to make my career more aligned to the path I want to go. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And maybe we can go back a little bit if you don't mind. So your first job was at Broker Daltonics, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, and your first role, you said it was more on the technical side, right? Was yeah, that so, so I think like usually for us uh, graduate from graduate school, it's usually the easiest to get a more technical role uh, uh, in the company as the entry level. So that why um, I work mainly as application uh, engineer. So what I do is my company manufactures these scientific um, equipment for analyze different compounds. So I am responsible for develop method package and also support the clients to help them train them how to use the equipment and help them analyze the product as needed. Uh, so as you can see, it started as a very technical role, but the good thing for that role is I work very closely with the sales team because um, in sales scenario, when they try to introduce these um, half million or quarter million products to the client, the client usually requires some kind of showcase if this thing actually gonna work for their purpose. So that's where I come in, where I have to demonstrate the product value from both the scientific portion and the work with the sales team to think about what kind of sales pitch or angle we need to um, present to the client. So I think that is a very good experience for me to encounter the world a little outside of just technical and the laboratory. 
Got it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because for some reason I sort of remember that your role had a little bit to do with sales and now that yeah. makes perfect sense. So then you mentioned that you transitioned at some point to product management. Did that happen at Agilent Technologies or at Shimazu? How did that? Yeah, so for that one, I, I'm at the, um, it happened in an interesting uh, time point because uh, after two years uh, being in that role, I had some family emergency. I actually have to move back to China to take care of the family member. Mm -hmm. So um, I think like because I move, I have to look for a new position um, because my previous company's presence in China is not as good as some of the competitors. Mm -hmm. So that's why I got into Agilent. And at that time, they trying to build something called the China Solution Center in China. So they trying to really be the industry leader and develop, we call it a turnkey method and sell that method package to the client. So historically, for instrumentation companies, this kind of method development is usually for free. It's uh-huh. kind of, you get this kind of service uh, because you purchase the hardware and the software. Mm-hmm. So they are the leader to trying to um, monetize this kind of method packaging and method development as intellectual properties. Mm-hmm. So um, I was, I joined that team at its initiation and I think at that time, they're trying to do like some showcase products and make a good impact. It's kind of like show and tell to show the senior leadership this kind of business model works. Mm-hmm. So that is actually a great opportunity for me. We started as a very small team, three people actually. Oh, uh, when, yeah, so when you have only three people, you cannot do everything. everything yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it go from develop the product then you set up roadmap you work with project managers on the strategy then you think about how to do marketing so you literally have to work with marketing team to generate marketing materials think about how to uh, penetrate the market and on the other side you have to train the service engineers how to use your product and then you also have to work with the sales force and basically um, identify we call them key opinion leaders in the industry to actually ask them to test use our products first and then they can be our sponsor at different conferences to marketing our products so you kind of had the chance to do it from beginning to the end. So that's the time I think I did a lot of product management. And I think I really enjoyed how we can, like you can see kind of your baby go from beginning mm-hmm. all the way to um, be a successful product. And I think during that time, because our first case is quite a successful we actually penetrated most of the clients in that niche market. I would say over 50% probably. Um, so that's later the, I think I spent three years there and our team really grew uh, quite significantly from just three people. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. So it was a um, smaller company, it sounds like maybe when you started or it's just no. this one product was small. 
It's a, um, it's just so that business model is small okay. and you know, okay. they just want to do a testing site. Um, mm-hmm. The company is actually, I would say, in that industry, it's probably one of the top three companies in that industry. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Now, that's a perfect combination of um, kind of being on a small team and learning a lot and grow really fast and having the resources of a large company to support you. So that's yeah. that's great. Okay, so maybe jumping to the next question, um, you mentioned that it wasn't necessarily fully planned, your whole career path up, up until this point, but it sounds like there was at least some guiding principle, right, for you to be wanting to transition from a technical role to more of a business-oriented role. So what motivated you to kind of have that in mind and take actions to get there? Um, I think for me, it's always about uh, I trying to balance my work-life balance and also um, what actually makes me happy at work. Uh-huh, because uh-huh. And, and also like what I'm good at. Um, like I mentioned earlier, uh, what I learned in my first role is um, I'm good at presenting things to showcase the value and I'm good at developing methods using software, etc. But my uh, hands-on things on hardware is pretty limited. I would say probably even below average. Um, so these kind of things, I, when I think about it, I was like, that is actually, if I want to go this like technical route, that can be pretty limiting of how I can develop myself. However, there's this uh, more business side I'm really interested in. And based on my colleagues' feedback, I'm really good at it. Uh, and I'm, so I think like a, because of that, I'm more leaning towards to do things like the things that interest me and the things I like. And along the way, I have to say, I got some really good mentors and really good managers who actually willing to help me develop all the skills and trust me to do things. Um, I think that like helps a lot as well. And I think throughout the whole thing, one thing really helped me is I always seek for kind of an official mentor in my career. It doesn't necessarily be my manager, but it's someone in the area I want to be and who are willing to coach me and give me the resources and the guidance I needed. Um, I think that kind of helped shape my whole career and I where I want to be. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Can you maybe talk a little bit about the mentorship piece? Because I know that that's very critical, right? And then it sounds like you intentionally sought out mentors, like you said, in the areas that you want to be in. So how did you identify the mentors and how do you usually interact with them and how do they provide guidance and resources to help you out? Um, I think I would say my first official mentor is... um, uh, he is. Um, he made a huge impact on my career. Uh, he's actually the one who even helped me find my first job. Uh, it's quite interesting. Uh, okay. I, I attended a conference and presented a talk when I was in graduate school. And um, he was at that talk as well. And his mm-hmm. team is actually doing something related with my work. Mm-hmm. So we kind of chatted a little bit afterwards and shared information back and forth just to help him with some of their roadblocks, et cetera. So when I'm trying to look for jobs, I 
kind of, you know, like do all the graduate students do, we reached out to, to any possible lead we know to see if mm -hmm. there's opportunity. And he's the one actually went um, over the length to actually personally introduce me to the hiring manager and give wow. me um, glorious um, reference uh -huh. to the point to the hiring manager later after he hired me, he's like, we wasn't we weren't planning to hire someone fresh without work experience uh -huh. but since you had such like amazing reference yeah. we're ready to give you a shot so actually that helped me landed my first job so at that time i wasn't more like intentionally look for mentor it's more like a because that connection uh whenever i have issues at work or encounter something i build that trust with that person and i would always go back to him to ask for things like how to handle certain situations so i would say my first biggest mentor and who made a huge impact on my career that wasn't intentional right. and it happened but um Later on, as I attend different seminars or like internal networking, uh, you start to learn from senior leadership. They give you suggestions and how to look for mentor. And that's the time. Um, basically, they tell me what well, you want to look for. You look for the people. First, they have to truly care about you and like you. Yeah. And also, it should be somewhere you are interested. Mm -hmm. um, and it not doesn't necessarily to be your line manager because sometimes it's hard to open up completely with your yeah. line manager with conflicts of interest. So I usually sort out um, someone outside of my um, direct line management. Sometimes they be maybe even outside of my department, and it should be someone I observed and heard from other people who are really just willing to help people grow. So mm -hmm. then sometimes I just reach out to them. It's like, hey, this is me, introduce myself and ask them if they can be my mentor. But before that, I usually try to do some kind of project or have some kind of interaction with them. So mm -hmm. they at least know, it's like, oh, Vivian exists and what kind of work she does. So when you ask for the mentorship, it won't be too out of blue. It's like, who are you? Why are you asking me, right? So. That's uh, um, so I've been always following that role, like that role, and trying to look for a good mentor for me throughout my career in every company. Yeah, no, that's great. Because I recently read the book Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg, and she mm -hmm. said, she says something similar to what you were saying that you really probably don't want to just reach out out of the blue and ask really awkwardly, "Can you be my mentor?" <laughs> this type of relationship should be kind of natural and there is some background or common project or something that you worked on some kind of entry point and then you will see you will know pretty obviously that there could be a mentorship that is mutually beneficial so that's why i'm very interested in this topic because right now i'm also kind of trying to figure out the best way to find a mentor but thank mm -hmm. you for sharing your tips so then among this, uh, I guess, along this journey, what is your biggest challenge that, or biggest challenges that you had to overcome? Yeah, I would say uh, definitely um, there's a constant internal debate of where I want to go because I think like when now I look back in my career, I would say I was like, 
Oh, mostly I kind of, in general sense, heading to where I want to be. Um, but when you are in the process, there's a lot of internal debate. It's like, oh, should I do this? Should I do that? Even when I look for new job opportunities, when you get multiple offers, you always like, what do I pick? Right? Mm -hmm. So, um, this, uh, it's definitely more a personal decision. A lot of times, for example, when I, um, graduated from Georgetown, and at that time i worked at deloitte and people think a lot of my friends think oh deloitte is amazing platform i should like trying to make a career there but deep in my heart i know that's not the type of career i'm looking for mm -hmm. and at that time i got offers both can go either tech companies big tech companies mm -hmm. or um can go to farmer so that choice at that time, my thinking process is more, if I go tech, I kind of started from like Southern new mm -hmm. and, um, and also, but if I go farmer, I can utilize all my knowledge. I went on the business side, but my PhD, the chemistry knowledge still matters. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I'm going to start from fresh new. So at that time, um, I think I made the conscious decision to decide to just go for farmer. Although, to be honest, we always know the tech industry pays more. But yes. sometimes you just have to think about it's like, um, does pay matters more to you? Or do you think the type of work matters more? And also think about what kind of work life balance matters. So I think like these kind of choices are very personal decisions. I think I recall when I was in graduate school at that time, everyone's like all my MBA classmates trying to graduate. There's a lot of these debates happening with everyone. It's yeah. like how to choose the offer. Um, I think when we have a group of people who are going through the same journey, um, we can bounce ideas off from each other. And that also helps each of us to decide where we want to go. And we can also um, talk to our alumni uh, and to see what kind of work are you expecting with all your career move. Um, ultimately, that's the kind of decision everyone has to decide for themselves. Yeah. You want money? You want a work-life balance? You want to build a skills? Or is there a specific industry or a specific sector or the roles you want to go um but yeah so that's kind of how i decided along the way kind of every time i switch job which is more important to me yeah yeah that's very well said and i think that you have a pretty unique career path i would say because a lot of the phd friends that i have they usually they stay in their lane so to speak right so I have a PhD in econ and my career so far up to this point has been in the same area. And then other friends that I have, they usually stay in, let's say, chemistry, biology, whatever else. And it's kind of unusual to see people who can transition, especially from more like a scientific technical background to business. And then it sounds like there were a lot of choices that you made along the way. And you mentioned that the MBA program, it sounds like it's very helpful and instrumental because you have peers that you can bounce ideas off of. You have 
other alumni who can maybe provide guidance. So that's kind of maybe my next question is, how did you decide to go for the MBA? And it sounds like it's totally worthwhile. And can you also talk about what are the other valuable things you got out of it? Yeah, um, I think that decision is actually, um, so I was uh, that time I was, uh, I moved uh, uh, after my time in China, um, my, uh, I decided to move back to the US. Mm-hmm. So I uh, moved back to the US, worked at Shimazu, and at that time I'm doing, I'm the full-time project manager for all the projects in our R&D center. So mm-hmm. because of that role, I encountered a lot of um, things regarding the budget. So I interact a lot with our finance folks. Um, and at that time I realized uh, actually there's a lot of finance knowledge I'm not sure of in this discussion. Um, so I was like, oh, um, so I was more initially think about, I feel like MBA is a bigger commitment. What if I don't like it? So I actually had a, someone actually uh, suggest to me back then, which is amazing suggestion to ask me to take um, one of the classes from Harvard online. Mm-hmm. It's called, um, I think it's back then it's called the COIE core, but I think now they rebranded and changed the name. So basically it's a um, six months course. Uh, with three components. One is accounting, one is economy, and one is, see, I already forgot the other piece, but it's, uh, I think it's called the business fundamental. So okay. basically, yeah, it's the basics you would learn in the business world. Um, and it's pretty low commitment. You probably do, I would say five, maybe five hours a week-ish. Okay. And then you actually go to some testing center to do the actual tests oh, and wow. give you a certificate, the type of thing. So I think that just for me to have a sense check if I actually like these kind of things at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think during the six months, I actually really enjoyed the business side of things like economy and economics and the accounting. Okay. So after that, I also ch- discussed with some of the classmates in the same class. Um, so after checking with every bouncing ideas off, I finally decided to apply for the MBA program. But even when I applied for it, I applied both part-time and full-time. Uh-huh. At that time, I, still, I was still unsure, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after I got the offer letter from different schools, um, I have the full times with a scholarship or the part time. So that time, uh, it's kind of a hard debate for me because um, for if I go full time, I can get full school full scholarship ride, but mm-hmm. I still have to go from my own expense to cover the, the living expense. Mm-hmm. And then I lose two years of work experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I go part-time, it's a longer program. It's three years program instead of two years. Um, and then, of course, because they expect you to do part-time, you have full-time job. Right. Usually, kind of thing. They don't have any scholarship. You pay, you pay the full price. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are not losing, you are not going to lose two years or three years of um, like work experience. Mm-hmm. So I think like it's a, 
it's a difficult balance for me back then, even until the last minute, I was still debating. Mm -hmm. uh, so finally, I think I took the less risky route, which uh -huh. is, I did the uh, part-time. Uh -huh, uh -huh. so now, in retrospect, I would definitely, whoever trying to pursue that route, I would definitely encourage people to go maybe full-time instead. Mm -hmm. Because when you are full-time, you do get a lot of uh, perks to be in that program. You can be fully immersed because the school does have a lot of seminars, a lot of very useful networking and the training sessions. Mm -hmm. uh, when you have a full-time job, like you're, they are open to you, but you won't have the time. That's the part I really miss. And that's actually um, plays a big, important role in the MBA program. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the part I actually feel a little regretting. I didn't choose uh, the full time. So for you guys who are thinking about doing a big program, I would definitely recommend the full time one. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great point. I probably haven't thought about it that way, but that's definitely, um, you know, I think a huge aspect of the MBA experience, right? Because I think the learning is really a part of it, maybe even a small part of it. It's really the networking and the, extracurricular things you can do at the yeah. MBA program. Yeah, so did you have a concentration in your MBA program? So my school, we don't really have a concentration. It's not okay. mandatory. However, mm -hmm. if you want to do it, you can pick, they call it a different certificate you can get. I think I get the um, strategic uh, consumer analytics certificate. Okay. Um, because that's it's more like analytical you combine both math skills with the business mm -hmm. and um but i know some schools for concentration it's mandatory so it's depending on different uh mba program you're gonna pick so that's also part of the things uh i would suggest people just do full research before you apply to mm -hmm. know what kind of um emphasize each school has for example, uh, Georgetown, where I went, um, because it's based in DC, mm -hmm. uh, they are really strong in anything regarding policy, mm -hmm. which is kind of expected, right? <laughs> in California, I would think they focus on entrepreneurship. Yeah, entrepreneurship. So that that actually really like plays into the choice as well. Mm -hmm. um, where the school is based, what's their concentration, etc. I yeah. wish I thought of that more instead of just the focus on the location back then. For me, it's more like I don't want to move type of thing. <laughs> yeah, no, makes sense. Yeah, it's a very good school. So I'm sure you made a good decision in any event. But did you think that the MBA really helped you kind of transition to your next job, which is at Deloitte, right? Finished. Yeah, so I actually, um, I did, it's my first year into the program when I was still working full-time at Shimazu. Mm -hmm. um, after, oh, that is actually one thing about part-time MBA program. They have the perks that full-time don't have is all your classmates sitting in the same classroom with you every day. They all have a job which means they all work at different companies. So they can be your network. That's For example, right. I have a lot of classmates work in consulting. 
the big four, um, even we, even the McKinsey, BCG people. So we had a lot of talk back then. It's like, what kind of consulting life gonna look like? What things they do? And of course, it's a valuable internal referral, right? Yeah. So that's, um, that's how I got into Deloitte. Um, I was in their uh, commercial practice at that time. I think like uh, it's definitely a very tough environment because you have, uh, um, I've never worked with so many type A personality people all together. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from, you know, like a scientific heavy background. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty, like, I think it, Handy, you know, in our world, the people are pretty like relaxed. Back, yeah. Uh -huh. um, so that was um, quite the culture shock for me. But mm -hmm. I think that experience, I look back, it does really make you grow a lot. Mm -hmm. I joke with my friends, I was like, uh, working there one year, make me age the five years, but also, yeah. but also probably gain the five or 10 years of experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which I wouldn't get from my other job because mm -hmm. I feel like uh, during that one year time every day for me it's like a training camp but yeah. you actually still get paid so right. not a bad deal right yeah, yeah, yeah. learn learn the uh, learn on the job while getting paid yeah 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 though no, that's uh that's funny that you share that um yeah that's kind of um you know my question for you as well is you know, transitioning from kind of a regular, I'll call it in-house role to consulting mm -hmm. must be challenging because I think most people go the other way, right? They will start in consulting and then they will go in-house. And then I was just wondering how you decided to make that transition. And it sounds like maybe it was your network, your classmates at the time who probably convinced you or maybe you were already interested so can you yeah. talk a little bit more about that? How did you decide to go for consulting? Yeah, so that one is actually, um, that stemmed from my conversation with our career center and my classmates. I more at the time, I was like, I don't know what I want to do next. Mm -hmm. I kind of feeling I can do this, I can do that, and I can even do that. Mm -hmm. But I don't know where I want to focus, right? Mm -hmm. um, so then, uh, I, one of my friend and the classmates, uh, he basically is like, that's the perfect reason why you want to join consulting. Because mm -hmm. when you join consulting, you don't really have to pick. We do projects so fast that each project is different. Mm -hmm. And you can pick, pick different roles in a different project. And your client can, can be different. You can go from like if you want to focus, so like I did back then, I always know I want to be more life science. Mm -hmm. So I focused on life science clients, but I had opportunities. People ask if I want to working on project on CPG companies or marketing companies, etc. So you really can like encounter all these things you would never encounter in such fast speed mm -hmm. uh, in a regular job. Right. So I think... For me, uh, join consulting, it's more like that's my way of trying to figure out what I want to do and which industry I want to focus and what kind of projects are going to make sense, which um, I think that's literally happened in that one year. Mm -hmm. uh, I 
think I did during that one year, I did, um, I worked for five different, five different clients. And then they also did a lot of Deloitte internal initiatives. And mm -hmm. my roles bounced from uh, help companies do reorganization of their org structure to um, set, help companies set outsourcing strategy to modernization of their financial IT system, et cetera. So it really ranged a lot. And every project make me think, it's like, do I like this? Do I not like that? What's the part I like and dislike? So um, I think that's why towards the last three months, I was kind of pretty, had a, a much better sense, which is the area I definitely don't want to do, uh -huh. and which other areas I would like to do. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I think the school recruiting also started. So there's a lot of like a job searching in that area. So I think that's finally how I decided to come to this role after consulting. Okay. But I would say um, it definitely was quite a struggle because I think a lot of people join consulting when they fresh graduate from school mm -hmm. uh, in a lower level and then you can get trained, properly trained. Mm -hmm. But when us join uh, at the senior consultant level, there's a lot of expectations already have for you mm -hmm. um there's definitely um a fast pickup period i would say uh, it was uh, initially it was pretty painful but um i think after year towards the end um i think i feel already pretty comfortable mm -hmm. with the projects how you deal with client i think that experience definitely also helped me grow very thick skin yeah, uh, yeah i think that is uh, actually uh, one of the biggest assets i got oh, yeah. <laughs> cool that's awesome so maybe we can talk about your current role which is in strategy right yeah. and was that one of the areas that you worked on at deloitte strategy consulting yeah i think like that's definitely my current role i think it combines both uh, strategy, scientific, and the financial sense, like all in one. So mm -hmm. in my current role, I work for this department. I, I work for two departments, equally 50-50 time split, mm -hmm. but more from almost the outsider point of view. Okay. Because I help them uh, do the financial planning, FP&A, um, monthly uh, financial reports, uh, head account of uh, strategy footprint planning these kind of things so you can see these kind of things it's almost like what you do as a consultant mm -hmm. for a client yeah yeah and then uh the other portion is you help the you help organize the leadership meetings organize the department meetings you help the leadership update like do these kind of update to senior leadership um, so for these kind of things, it's kind of uh, what they teach you at a business school. It's like how okay. to showcase your best value. Um, and there's other portions. We I lead a lot of uh, initiatives, help mm -hmm. the initiative go like 
uh, from initiation to build the team to set up the structure. And once everything is smooth running, you hand it over to the project team. So I think all these skills in the current role, it kind of aligns well with what um, they expect outside the consultant to do. Yeah. So yeah. Kind of, you're still doing consulting, but all your clients are internal stakeholders. Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes it much less stressful. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So as you mentioned, the three pieces that you work on, if I capture that correctly, financial planning, footprint planning, headcount planning. So where did you accumulate the skills to be able to execute those? Is it from the MBA or from your other roles in the companies that you worked for? Um, Yeah, so I think that is... uh, I think the financial piece, it's uh, slowly building from all my previous roles uh-huh. because when I worked in uh, Agilent in China, when we develop a product, so we have to think about uh, what kind of investment, what kind of uh, ROI you're going to get mm-hmm. and how to set quota, all these kind of things. And uh-huh. when I do work at Shimazu as a project manager for R&D, it's more focused on funding for each project. Uh-huh. There's like all these balance you have to do. Um, It's like how to utilize limited funding to make the most impact and how to request funding. So I would say for the financial planning piece, it's kind of like building along the way. Um, And then these kind of footprint strategy, it's more learn on the job. And they also, um, also all the knowledge you learned at business school uh, especially during case study, it can show you how you can do your strategic thinking to do these kind of things. Um, so I would say some skills, it's like you build along the way. Some mm-hmm. schools, some things you learned from business school, some mm-hmm. things you just learn on the flight out of the job. Right. Like uh, fake yeah. it until you make it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that makes total sense. Um, I want to maybe go back a little bit to one thing that you mentioned when you had multiple offers after you finished your MBA, there was AstraZeneca, obviously, and then there were some big tech companies. And you mentioned the reason why you decided to choose this role is because of multiple factors of work-life balance and interest and past experience. But I'm just wondering kind of with the way things are evolving, right? Because Mm-hmm. For example, AI is a huge thing and everybody's talking about it. I wonder if you kind of take into account in your consideration the future prospect of different industries. And if so, can you talk a little bit about that? And especially, I guess, the advantage of being in pharma versus tech. Yeah, I think like at that time, um, we both experienced the past two years is kind of an interesting time in everyone's life, right? So um, I part of my thinking process back then, I feel at this point of my career, I want to be like pay is nice, but I also want to be in industry that is more um, less cyclical, like less impacted Mm -hmm. by all these like uncertainties because for uh, pharma companies uh, whether economy is good or bad people get sick they need medication Mm -hmm. so it's kind of uh, 
like relatively stable, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I mentioned before, uh, I can still utilize all my scientific knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoy working with scientists. Mm -hmm. I, I think I just feel very comfortable um, in the environment working with a lot of scientists. So yeah. that is part of the reason. The other one, why I didn't go with tech, um, it's actually the things I learned later is the pay structure also plays into the play because uh, I realized that uh, for tech, um, your base may not be that high. A lot of comes from stock. Mm -hmm. um, however, in traditional industries um, outside of tech, it's still more like salary based plus a little bit bonus. Mm -hmm. It's not like a a lot of your compensation is not relied on stock. Mm -hmm. so, so that also plays into the decision making. Um, and also another thing is also people. I think um, people in tech versus people in the science world, it's just a little different. Mm -hmm. So for me, always um, my whole entire education, I always in that environment, I. I love working with all these scientists. They make me feel ease, and I feel that's the environment I'm most comfortable with. Mm -hmm. um, so I think ultimately it's combined the pay structure, um, how stable the industry is, and what type of people I would like to work with. Ultimately, mm -hmm. it comes to my final decision. And another portion played a big into that time is. Um, for example, Amazon, um, they, for the school hires, I don't know about how they do social hire, but for a lot of school hires, the first year they expect you to move to uh, Seattle to be uh, there for a year before mm -hmm. you can choose where you want to be in the future. Um, same thing, such as Wayfair, they want you to move to the New England where the headquarter is. Mm -hmm. So um, ultimately that also comes to the decision like, mm, do I really want to move to where these big tech companies want me to move or do I want to stay locally? So right. yeah, ultimately, all these decisions uh, together um, to make me make the final choice. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Sounds good. And then maybe kind of to pivot a little bit, looking back at your whole career path, was there anything that you would like to have done differently? Um, I would say I would probably start to do business school a little earlier. Okay. Just because I think I, um, I was, because my international move, I was unsure about a lot of things back then and uh, just trying to be more play safe. Mm -hmm. But looking back, I feel um, for all the changes, it's always make all the changes early than later. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, so I would say that's the biggest thing. And um, I think uh, other than that, I would say overall, um, I think um, in the main direction, I'm happy at the way I am. Of course, mm -hmm. I'm still figuring out my um how to grow my career next uh, within my current role, how to expand the responsibilities, where I want to be in the future, this kind of thing. But I feel this kind of thing, it's always like 
it's a zigzag. It's yeah. like a never really like clear path. And a lot of times, even you think it's like, oh, in 10 years, I want to be here. It doesn't really happen this way. It just uh -huh. like sometimes naturally happens. Yeah. So I think um, I also learned along the way to just go with the flow. Don't mm -hmm. over planning things. Right, right. But you need to have some guiding principle about don't trying to control every single details. Yeah. No, that's great advice. That's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> um, and then was there a best decision you made along the way? Or were they multiple small decisions that kind of added up? Um, I would say if I look back, I've uh, it's more like a lot of small decisions add up together. Um, because like I can't think of like a one single determination point that gonna like deter my career a lot. But I would say um, I notice every time I take a big risk, the return is always bigger. Mm -hmm. So I would usually suggest people don't play safe, uh -huh. especially like I think like for people early in their career, um, try different things uh, to see which you like because um, I feel a lot of times um, you think you want to do something maybe because you haven't seen what other things on the other side yet. Mm -hmm. Maybe you are more beautiful to the other things. You can do it even better. So right. just go out and try. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It's great advice. All right, so then um, my final question for you is, besides that great advice you just offered, were there any other suggestions, advice, recommendations that you want to provide to young, aspiring, especially female professionals? Um, I want to say just a girl with thick skin. <laughs> and, uh, and also um, um, trying to have a positive um, mindset when things get tough. Because what I learned during my career, it's usually when you are in a very tough spot, how you handle it, how you seek advice, that helps me grow the most. Uh, usually, sometimes I feel I learn more from a bad manager than <laughs> from a good manager, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, so just uh, um, don't get too upset when things get tough. Mm -hmm. It's a good experience. Yeah. That's great. I definitely second that. I think it's my experience as well, especially that bit about learning from the bad manager. Right? And what not to do. <laughs> Thank you so much, Vivian. This has been great. I don't know if you want to share where can people find more about you if um, they are interested in reaching out to you or things like that. Yeah. Um, if you would like to reach out to me, I'm available on LinkedIn. Uh, it's uh, Vivian Shenyuchen. And I'm happy to connect uh, with people. Like I said, throughout my career, I had a few really amazing mentors. And I'm always interested to help people develop, uh, just to pass all the things I learned from all my mentors. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Nice chatting.